Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. It's been a few weeks since we've released one, but had to get this guest on. It's been in the works for a, a little while. She's a run coach, a mobile personal trainer, and through COVID, an online personal trainer now as well. An author, mum of two beautiful girls who we'll speak about at some stage through the chat. She's a full-time legend and someone I would call a very good friend. Welcome, Diana Nichols. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, full-time <laughs> legend. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had that title before. <laughs> well, oh, I thought I'd throw it in there. It's, it's true. Like, you just, you're very raw, very real, always there for someone when you're able to. I think that's a really important point because there's times where you're not able and that's just human nature and it's really important that we set those boundaries and I think you do that re- really, really well. You probably don't feel like you do it really well, but I think you do. Um, It's actually good that you've pointed that out because that's something I've actually just accepted in the last, I don't know, little while, few months where I've thought, you know what, when I can be there, I'll be there. And when I can't, I can't. And it's as simple as that. And I think that's something we should all sort of live by, I think, just take that pressure off. And you're a perfect example. There's been so many times with you where I've said, hey, Shane, not the day yep, great, it's, it'll work or whatever. And I think I've known you for, what, since maybe 2016? Yeah, roughly, yeah. Like yeah. And I reckon we've, yeah, it's been a roller coaster friendship in a way, but a really good one, but where we can easily say that to each other and there's absolutely no issue with that. Yeah, I think we've both cancelled on each other probably three or four times, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that bout is probably actually catching up maybe six to ten times over that period of time. Yeah. So we probably cancelled more than we've actually caught up. But Well, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping a tally and you've actually cancelled more. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I probably have, to be honest. No. Um, so, yeah, we, we did get to... We, you, we came across each other's Instagrams, yeah, back in yeah. 2016 and we caught up and went up the fire trail in the Daniels. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. Which, yeah, which is yeah, awesome to just... I think if if oh, we're both pretty fit, but I think if we we still chatted a fair bit of the way up, and mm. um, yeah, have been in contact ever since, and our stories have have almost collided um, over the last yeah. twelve twelve months, uh, over different periods of time for both of us, but we've got lots in common, and I guess the first thing I want to talk about today is I guess your mental health journey. Um, and before we get into that, I will say to the listeners that today we're going to, today and potentially in another podcast, we're going to touch on your mental health journey and the endometriosis. I got it right yeah, before we started right. recording. Endometriosis. Um, yeah. I didn't even say it. <laughs> um, well, I just started switching them too. So um, your pregnancy, which, you know, I think anyone that understands endometriosis will understand is complicated and, and sometimes not possible um so we'll touch on your pregnancy and then we'll touch on the fact that you you're able to write a book in and a memoir um of the birth of your two daughters at 30 weeks and one day which we'll touch on as well so there's a lot to unpack um and as as you said before we came on air there's probably a lot we won't even get close to touching on so oh 
and I don't know a lot about this, but because like, it's funny, we while we've talked about each other's mental health journeys, I don't really know like your full story. I I think when we we speak about it in person, we just sort of touch on how we're going at the time. We live pretty much in the moment and in the present. But so I guess where did your mental health journey start and had that sort of come about? Um, look, pretty much since I was a kid, um, in terms of anxiety and suffering from a lot of anxiety, but not even realizing what anxiety was until I was about 25, 26, where I was sort of starting to think, look, it was obviously starting to get a lot worse, but, um, just didn't have that, you know, understanding that support, you know, back in those days, I'll say. Um, and it, I, I actually took myself to the doctors. I was, I think I was about 25 years old. And um, I said to the doctor, I'm feeling all these things, you know, that come with anxiety, panicky, you know, tight chest, can't breathe, th- those sorts of symptoms. And um, that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. <laughs> um and I just said, I actually have no idea what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling any of it. Um, and just over learning, because I'm, I'm 40 next year and I've learned a lot about mental health over the years. And looking back, I'm, I was a pretty anxious kid. So as a young teenager, um, so I went to the doctors and just said, I'm feeling all these things. I want to, I, I want to understand it. So filled out the usual, you know, mental health checklist, went through a few things. Yep, you've got anxiety. Um, They wanted to put me on medication to start with and I just said, look, I'd just rather try and understand what's going on and maybe deal with it in my own way and through exercise and other things. Um, And I did see see a counsellor at the time who helped me a lot with it. So anxiety has been probably the biggest thing I've dealt with from a young age and not really understanding it to now obviously understanding it, having a really good understanding what my triggers are, how I manage it. Um, I actually now do take medication and that was that, and I'm sure we'll touch on that later on, but that was more to do with postnatal depression and anxiety. So I was always, I guess, predisposed and then along came the pregnancy, a really difficult pregnancy Um, And that was just without a doubt going to spark up so many mental health issues for me, which I was actually really aware of as soon as they told me about my complications. I just said to my obstetrician, look, I suffer from really bad anxiety. Running is a way I I manage that. You're now telling me that I can't run, I can't walk, I can't basically move. (laughs) Um, I don't know how I'm actually going to get through this. Um, So I've had a lot of understanding, but... I have since, yeah, with the pregnancy and all the trauma I did need to turn to medication, which I was probably one of the best things I did, to be honest. But, yeah. It's really positive that like to hear that. And I think it's a really constructive way of, of managing what you're going through. I think a lot of people, when they go into medication, get it sort of just sort of thrown at them and they just sort of accept that that's, mm-hmm. that's their reality where – You've kind of gone the opposite way. You've you've gone, no, I want to manage this with many other facets of my life. And then if something like and then something massive did come along. Yeah. Right, well, I, I just need that extra help now. Rather than yeah. what tend what tends to happen and probably what happened with me is uh, you've got depression, here's medication and, yeah. and just 
not being aware of what that medication might do to you, how it might impact your life moving forward, and a lot of that what comes with it. And probably what you were able to do is work through sort of for 13, uh, 10 to 10 or so, 12 years before the girls came along um, and you, you went on to medication is get a really good understanding of who you are as a person. So if this medication had, I guess, changes that you didn't like, you could then make the adjustments to suit that rather than yeah. medication just and then yeah. try and adjust. So yeah. and I, think, I, was, yeah. I was probably a bit stubborn when it came to medication, especially in my younger years. I think I did have that idea in my head of, oh, no, I can control this. It's my mind. My mind can control this. So I had a bit of a naive understanding um, and I guess it took a lot of what I went through with my pregnancy and dealing with medical experts and learning about medications and I guess what their certain ones are used for to learn. And it did take me nine months of seeing my psychiatrist <laughs> for him to say to me, look, Diana, you need medication now to help you. Like you've, you've just been going, 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 and you've broken down. You've done a lot of good work, but you've broken down and it's really time. And he's like, I promise you it's a good medication and this is what it does. And, you know, he really explained it so well to me um, that, you know, I just live my life. To, and I look, to be honest, I probably don't even really need it now, but I sort of think I don't, I'm in a good place, don't really want to change anything. It's not affecting my life. You know, a lot of people think medication, you know, and, yes, I understand that there's different types of medication for different um whatever scale your mental health illness is on like I understand it's different for everybody um but I think through actually discussing it with a doctor that you trust um and having your own self-awareness which is really important I think it can actually be a really good thing so I was very against it for a long not I'm not gonna say against it but just thought no I can control this um, I think I even write that in my book. I think there's a line in there where I say oh, I'm trying to control my own anxiety, like how ridiculous. It's such a high-pressure <laughs> situation. It's normal to feel anxious. But that's the other thing. I think we, we try and take anxiety away a bit and try and eliminate it when you think it's actually just a really normal response in the body when you're in such a stressful situation. Yeah, I always come back to this because everyone, a lot of people I speak to say the same thing, like anxiety, like it, once they've learnt about it, they're like anxiety is normal and I'm like, because a lot of people are like, I don't have anxiety, it's like, all right, I'm going to throw you in the forest with some tigers and see how you feel and yeah. <laughs> that, that drives your anxiety up. It's just, it's a level of, of each individual's anxiety and, and what provokes anxiety and a lot of people as probably, and what we'll talk about, I will ask the question in a minute, but a lot of people don't understand what their own anxiety is. Mm. As, as maybe you had through your teenage years, do you remember what it was like? Because hindsight's this wonderful, magical tool where we go, oh, geez, that, that anxiety really cost me or it drove me into certain directions. Yeah. Like as a, how was I as a teenager, as a kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was terrified of everything like people um not not terrified but like my social skills weren't great I wasn't great at school in terms of you know being around big groups or um you know I was shy as well so you know shy shy but um I think 
that that really affected me just not having that self-confidence so I just I didn't have a lot of self-confidence and then I think there was just that lot of worry and anxiety um maybe environmental you know I don't I'm not sure but um but grow like as I as I was getting older, so like, yeah, I said my, you know, when I was 25, I went to the doctors and, you know, started that path of seeing a counsellor. But even earlier on, I was always curious. Like I always sort of had a curious mind. Like I wouldn't, so I think I had that self-awareness, which I actually wrote a lot about self-awareness as part of my book, which I actually didn't put in my book. So it's in the, it's in the section, the the behind the scenes section. I was going to say, I didn't read, I didn't read that part. No, yeah. and I was writing so much about self-awareness because I think I was just really lucky that I had so much self-awareness when I became pregnant and then the obstetricians were telling me about all the complications that were coming up. I had so much self-awareness that I knew that I knew what I needed to keep my anxiety at bay. I knew that that was no longer an option. I knew that I was really going to struggle and I had the confidence then to say to them, look, I suffer from anxiety. I'm going to need a lot of help with this. Um, whereas if you, if I was, oh, I don't know, go back 10 years ago where my self-awareness, you know, I hadn't um, learned much about myself at that point or wasn't in tune with myself, I think it could have been a whole other thing. And, I mean, I don't even want to think about where, every what path I could have gone down but I think mentally the stress I was under in my pregnancy look you know wouldn't have surprised me if I had to spend time in hospital or time um in hospital away from my babies or you know I think about things that and I'm not really one to go could have this or could have that I think the only reason I'm saying it is because I had so much self-awareness of what I needed to do to get back on track in my life. And, look, I probably went too far the other way, you know. Um, I decided to write a book while I was pregnant, you know. I mean, I'm like, well, I've got no control over this. I can't run marathons. So, you know, I'll just write a book instead. I'm like the furthest thing from an author (laughs) or a writer. But, you know, it was just this thing of, all right, well, I know I could get have days where I'm really depressed. I could have days where I'm really anxious and I need some kind of routine structure in my days. This is during the pregnancy for now. Um, That's going to actually get me through the day because I can't work. I've had to stop working. I can't do any. I basically have to stay at home and do nothing. Um, So that's how writing came about. Yeah, and I was just lucky that I had that self-awareness, I think, is what I'm trying to say in all of that. Yeah, it's, I, I love that point, that self-awareness, because it's something that I think, and it's, it's hard because I don't want to delve too much into the pregnancy side of things just yet, but yeah. it, all, it all relates and it's your awareness, and I will, I will go there, your awareness to help you through the pregnancy to to allow you to write a book and to allow you to get through probably the toughest part of your life or undoubtedly the toughest part of your life with, if you didn't have any self-awareness, like, well, as you said, let's not run off on what could have happened, but 
Yeah. We, we all know that you went in with lots of self-awareness and it still was a rocky roller coaster ride yeah. to imagine what it could have been like. Is that, a, that self-awareness? By creating your book, when Alicia went into early labour, it allowed me to stay calm. It allowed yeah. me to have that self-awareness that I knew that if I reacted stressfully and I was panicking, then that wasn't going to help my wife who was in labour. Yeah. And, what was about to happen for us? We you know, riders born at thirty weeks and three days. So, I you know, just that remember- just gave me goosebumps. Like <laughs> I still get goosebumps when I think about or hear that thirty weeks and three days, and just having known you and having spoken about my book and all of that, and then bang, yeah, it just gives uh, me goosebumps. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I didn't jinx myself by reading the books up, Matt, mate. <laughs> no, you know, I still remember standing in the car park that day, giving it to you and saying, look, if you want to read it now, fine, go for it. But maybe just don't let Alicia read it now while she's pregnant. It's not the most amazing, you know, (laughs) journey of pregnancy and motherhood. Um, So I still get goosebumps over that. Yeah. And it it was like, it it was that awareness, that calmness that presented itself. And I mean, we've both gone through that journey where, We've suffered our high anxiety or depression and we've done the work within ourselves so that when the storm hits, we're we're in the best position possible to move forward. And I guess I'm trying to, I don't want to, I hate just giving the listeners like just here's the advice, but essentially if you put yourself first for a considerable amount of time, when the storm hits, you'll be ready. And I think perfect example is, with COVID and we've both struggled through COVID at certain times with the changes of life. But if you're, if you're mentally is, you know, self-aware and switched on and you've got the managing skills in your life, it gives you a greater leg to, mm. to, to get through that shit storm, I guess. And yeah. that's essentially what you did. And from you being able to do that, to write a book has then helped me and our shit storm, you know, yeah. um, without jumping too far ahead again, but we will. Um, (laughs) I think it's um, also just with that, um, you know, when I decided to write, I think it was also to let people know that not all pregnancies are straightforward and there's some really, you know, sad stories out there and it's just not as simple as you fall pregnant which can be really challenging to begin with. Yeah. Um, and then to suddenly having a preemie baby or, in my case, preemie twin, <laughs> that, that yeah. I didn't even know. I didn't even know how many, if any, I'd be delivering the, throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, so it's also, yeah, just so other people don't feel alone in it. And sometimes I, I do get a little bit, you know, I'm still, you know, my trauma has settled I have few moments here or there where I just, you know, find myself just holding my breath and thinking about a moment or a bit of little bit of panic, and then I actually stop and I say, no, it's okay. The girls are nearly four now, and we're past all of that. But it's not trying to, you know, that trauma has definitely settled over the years, um, but it's it's not it's not trying to push it all away and go, all right, well, they're here now and it's all good. Yeah. It's yeah. actually just accepting that it was it was a pretty terrible time 
um, and it's okay that it was a terrible time. Yeah, we yeah. don't have to go and try and sugarcoat it. Yeah. And change it into it. You know, the one one of the biggest, most crucial chapters I put in at the last minute, which the editor said to me, she went through it all and she, you know, helped place 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 all the chapters out and the diary entries. And um she said to me, Diana, you're actually missing a really big part of the story. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And she goes, it'd be really great if you actually wrote about the birth. (laughs) 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 And I just realised throughout the entire story, and I don't know if it was subconsciously or what, because I was absolutely petrified, Mm. um, I did not write a single thing about the birth itself. Anyway, I went back to write. I did. It's obviously in there and what it was like. But... You know, when I was writing it, I sort of, part of me wanted to write, oh, the special birthday, you know, and how amazing it was and this and that. And and I, uh, and I it kind of, it saddened me a lot that I, I couldn't write that chapter in that way and I just, I wrote it for what it was and, mm. yeah. And look, yeah. That, that sadness, that sadness that I feel, I actually haven't read my book in a while now. I wanted to give it a big break before I read it again. But um so it'll be interesting to see how I feel when I do read it again. I'm hoping when I'm on some holiday <laughs> by the beach. <laughs> but anyway, um, but it saddened me for such a long time that I didn't have a normal, a normal pregnancy. Just all the normal things that come with that come with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I had this conversation with a friend uh, recently. So like out of our sort of friendship group. I'll, I'll say wide extended friendship group, so no one, nothing sort of comes out of, of place here. But you know, two two out of the sort of ten people I'm talking about had really horrible pregnancies with sickness, not not so much babies being in trouble. Um, another couple, their daughter had seizures in the first year of life. Um, Alicia was a preemie. A couple, one of the other girls, her her kids were born at like four and a half, five kilos, which is is quite big mm. and that came with its own anxiety as you said because the birth was very traumatic for them yeah it's almost very rare that a pregnancy is normal yeah and, and that beautiful experience that we're sort of told that it is it because it isn't that most of the time it isn't beautiful it isn't romantic it isn't rosy and even to the point where You've got the other side. I know another person who recently had a baby where um, they had to get the forceps involved to, to get the baby out, which then has complications for the mother and the baby. And so uh, this, this idea of a perfect pregnancy is not real. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's made up. And I think so many people are scared to delve into the details. And, and when I read that chapter and when I read about your birth and when I think about Alicia's birth, I'm like, no, no pregnancy is rosy and beautiful. Mm. And yes, the end product is is probably better than what the whole pregnancy situation is. But then again, not always is that the case either as well. As, as we would know, like it comes with once the baby's born, are they going to survive? That's, mm. that's, it's not that's yeah. my baby. It's, it's, it's that thing that's just come out. Yeah. because, And you talk about this in the book, but you have this detachment because you don't want to get attached to something that might yeah. disappoint you. Yeah, um, and I, I was like that the whole time I was pregnant. I think only towards the end, you know, the whole 
you know, I, you know I, I, I isolated myself a lot when I was pregnant because I, I needed to get through my my um, ultrasound appointments, which were every few days. I was yeah. in, in there all the time and I had to get through, obviously, surgery and, and other procedures. But um, so I really felt that I had to isolate myself and, and deal with it a lot on my own, obviously, with Cam. But... Um, um, yeah, disconnecting myself from what was going on because I didn't know if they were going to make it. That was really, really hard trying to carry twins, one twins, any whatever it mm. is. Um, knowing that at any point I go in, there might not be a heartbeat. Um, we're doing what we can from one scan to the next. Um, I mean, obviously I made the decision very early, not, I was, you know, given options to terminate. I was given option, uh, something that there's just things that you would never imagine that you have to consider in, yeah. in pregnancy. Um, but there are, let's just say there's options. Um, yeah. But, and then obviously early on I said, no, I'm, I'm going to try for these babies. Well, I'll do what we need to do. And obviously the first step was, okay, in X amount of weeks, it will most likely be surgery. If you don't do the surgery, they're not going to survive. So that whole detachment, like I didn't even want to know what the sex of the twins were mm. um, before before the surgery because that would have just given them, given them way too much identity. To go and name them was just forget about it. They don't have patterns, yeah. you know. Um, but then after surgery I did need to know if they were boys or girls because... I just needed to know one thing at least. Yeah. Um, but I still never named them or so that constantly detaching myself from my babies growing inside me was it was hard. You know, there was only towards the end, I still remember lying in bed and you know, I just used to listen to this. And I've actually written it in the book, this um just a speaker. It was just it was just one thing that I used to play over and over and over again because for some reason it just stuck into my brain and it it just made me feel better, to be honest. And I used to play it to the girls. Like this was really like late in the pregnancy. When I say late, like 28 weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was late for me. But, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but, funny, um, it's funny. It's funny. Everyone, yeah, people I speak to are like, oh, yeah, 28 weeks. I'm like, cool. And then I'm like, oh, no, wait, that's. That's still like 12 weeks to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Like it's amazing how your mind just, you don't, you go, oh, well, actually it's really about, you know, 38 or whatever yeah. it is. But it was only at the end where, you know, I'd say a word or two to them and um, but and because I naturally wanted to, it wasn't forced. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was still a lot of that, you know, I'd had a big wall up. A lot of the time, even down to um, down to the birth, you know. I don't know how much you want me to talk about the birth, so I might. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll talk about that in the next. <laughs> Maybe I won't delve into that, but um, but yeah, just um, putting my own boundaries up, I guess, with my little babies. It was yeah, yeah. I think I think we've touched on like the pregnancy almost enough in this this chat because I, I really want to talk about the endometriosis because as a male I, I've heard I've heard about it um mm -hmm. I remember a PT client had it once and and I'll, I'll be honest my male night night 
Jeez, yeah. how am I going with words today? Yeah, that's um, I was very naive around what it was. I was like, oh, yeah, so just obviously girl parts problems. It's, it's no yeah, big exactly. deal. But yeah. what I'm now understanding in my um, maturity, yeah. um, in the, it's, it's very serious. And I, I don't know enough about it. And to be honest, it's not something I want to study or research because I don't need to necessarily know a lot about it. But yeah. I want to ask you the question, like, what? when was your diagnosis for it and, and what is it? And uh, I did read in the book and it's very early on the book. It, it's, it's crippling. Yeah, it is. And, look, every I just want to say every single woman is different. So all our symptoms can present so differently. So what I'm about to say for me may not be the same thing for someone else. You can have endometriosis and you might not have any symptoms at all. So maybe you're pain free. You don't have, you don't, you don't feel it. Um, um, so I have been pretty much sick since I was 14 with it. Um, and you, uh, for me, I just, I get severe pain during my periods, leading up to my periods, um, a lot of the symptoms, I, I've had two, I'm just trying to work out how far I go back with this now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I was always sick as a teenager and in my early 20s, um, just really severe period pain, which back then, you know, we all just thought it was normal. So I grew up thinking women have periods and they're painful and this is just our lot in life. We're just sick every single month. Um, and back then there wasn't that awareness of what endometriosis was and that's where the lining of the uterus can grow in other parts of the body. So I had some growing on my bowel, um, which can be quite painful. You know, even, even where it grows is so random for different women. Yeah. So... Um, you know, I don't know how far you want me to go into the symptoms, but blood clots, you know, heavy, heavy bleeding um, interferes with just life in general. So, yeah. you know, typically for me I'll be sick anywhere between five to seven days leading up to my period. Then once I have my period, it's it's my stomach, no joke, it's like I'm four months pregnant all over again. Like yeah. so much inflammation down there that my, your stomach just bloats. And, again, well, that's for me. So I'm, you know, really, really bloated for about um, one to three days. By about day four it tends to settle for me. Um, and you're just so lethargic. Like I'm just exhausted. I feel like I've got that brain fog. I can't think clearly, which then affects how you do your job, how you interact with people, um, running, you know, one minute I can, yeah, you know, if you told me to run 42 Ks tomorrow, I probably could do it, you know, untrained for it. But on a day where I'm really sick, forget it. I can barely, you know, just to get outside and do 5 Ks, a shuffle is is hard work. Um, but then, I, you know, I always tell myself I'm going to feel better for it. So I've actually learnt, I've learnt how to, manage my life around the symptoms yep. um like I know now look you know just back off on a run you might not need to run today because you are so sick which sometimes I'm really stubborn I'll go and run anyway 
Um, but that's because I'm then trying to balance my head as well. My head, you know, I'm feeling quite depressed, um, just unclear, you know, exercise will always clear my head. I'll always feel a little bit better. So I'm like, do I take the pain of endometriosis or do I take the pain of feeling really depressed at the moment? So I'm like, okay, I'd rather just try and get a run out or some exercise to feel a little bit better in the head and I'll just deal with the pain in the, in, the, in my stomach, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I've learned to manage it a bit better over the years. Um, I'm not on medication for it. I'm, I'm actually in the process of, of talking to a surgeon about, you know, what else can be done because I figured I'm 40 next year and I don't really want to live the rest of my life this way. Mm. Um, But then having said that in terms of, you know, before I had the girls, it was, was, and now I'm thankful that I do have my children um, because, you know, some women may not even be able to fall pregnant for whatever reason, whether it's endometriosis or another condition, whatever it might be. But, you know, even just to fall pregnant was a challenge. Um, And I had to go through surgery for them to work out what was going on and all sorts of things. Um, And that, that started in, so you asked me when I was diagnosed with it, I was diagnosed in end of 2015. I was 35. So, so it took, did it take you all that time to go get looked at or was it the fact that you no. then wanted to have kids? No, I'd been, I'd actually, sorry, I've drifted in this conversation, but I'm just trying to work out my own timeline here. But in my, I'd been to the doctors twice, like I think I was 18 and 20, something like that. And I said to them, look, I've suffered a lot of pain um, during my period. And, and they just said, well, you get a period everything's looking normal. Yes, it's painful sometimes and so be it. So I hadn't really heard about endometriosis until probably my 30s when a client of mine actually said to me, you might have endometriosis. And then I thought, no, because I've been to the doctors all these years ago and I don't have it. I'm like, that's not me. Anyway, so I did, in yeah, end of 2015, I... Um, I, you know, I'd been trying for a little while to have kids and I did think, oh, it's not really happening. You know, sort of, you know, it was if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But then I was actually quite surprised that it wasn't happening. Mm. And that's when I saw a gynecologist and she did an examination on me and she said, I suspect you've got endometriosis and you'll need surgery for us to go in and see where it's, um, where it's situated and, you know, we need to remove we need to remove it. Um, and so, yeah, that was 2015, which was a huge shock because I just thought, I don't have it. I've been to the doctors 10 years ago, 10 years ago, more. Um, and, I, yeah, so that was a bit of a shock. So early 2016 or first half of 2016, I had two laparoscopies for them to remove um, the build-up that had sort of grown over the years and, you know, the pain that I was experiencing in those last few years before I had the surgery was just ridiculous. Like I'd, I'd finish a run and then I'd be on the grass just in a ball, just my, in so much pain, so much pain, and I'd sit there pretending to stretch, <laughs> <laughs> except, you know, just the, the pain I was in. So I'd just sit there for a while, wait for the pain to pass, and then I'd, you know, be on my way. But 
um, the symptoms were, you know, I was spotting all the time and, yeah. So, look, the laparoscopies were a success um, and it probably took a few months after that for my body to maybe readjust where I went, oh, okay, I'm actually not feeling like I'm in so much pain anymore. Um, and then, you know, six to eight months later about that, um, almost a year, um, I then fell, randomly fell pregnant with identical twins, which was so random and bizarre. But, yes. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like anyone who's listening, like, if you want to know more, get, like, get in the book. It, it's honestly a great read. And, um, Alicia started reading. I think she's finished part one um now and she she did say the first words were i'm so glad i didn't read that while i was pregnant so obviously advise don't read if pregnant yeah Um, pregnant make 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 your partner read it yeah um and if if it's something that or if it's something you're interested in and and you're not too sort of scared by reading stories then i'd recommend reading it but a lot of um, it also, I just want to add quickly, a lot of the reason I wrote it as well is I do talk about my um, my anxiety throughout it and how I, which is what a lot of the diary entries, entries are about, uh, it's me dealing with anxiety day to day. Um, so even though it's a story, yes, about a pregnancy and um, what happens after that, um, a lot of it is about mental health, um, and and you know I've had I've had um, you know typically a lot of women would probably read this, but I've had a lot of men read it too. And a good friend of mine's just started reading it, and he suffers from anxiety, and he may not be able to relate so much to the pre. His kids are much older now, and he, he may not be able to relate to the pregnancy side so much. But a lot of what I write in there is about my own mental health journey through the anxiety during the pregnancy and then postnatal depression and anxiety. So I sort of hope in that way um, it's quite general in that way when it comes to mental health, regardless of what our stories are. Yeah, and uh, as, as a reader and as someone that's um, working in the mental health side of things is a lived, lived experience and studied a lot about it, it's, you're right, it's about anxiety when you have lost something or something's been taken away from you so take out the fact that so just and so don't think about the pregnancy as such think about what's been taken away and and you know perfect example of this covid what's been taken away from people yeah and what are the options and the limitations and that's what happened to you when when you fell pregnant no running no walking basically bed rest because that's the only way babies will survive and you will survive. So everything's just ripped out from underneath you. And why I resonated with this is because um, when I had my hip surgeries, I was basically told you won't be allowed, you won't ever sort of run long distance again. Um, And I, and running was my thing that I used at that time for my mental health. So my mental health plummeted for, for a couple of years. So that's that's essentially what I got out of it on that element, and that's I guess there's so many elements to the book within it, and it's not a long book. Like people, don't be too scared, and and there's lots of pictures, so yeah, I take up love pictures. pictures. <laughs> yeah, so we love pictures and the diary entries as well. Like it's 
Awesome. But we want to talk more about the book in the next chat. And I know you are pushed for time. Um, I, I guess what I'll say is I'm going to share a lot of links that I can find about endometriosis for people on um, so symptoms, how they can get help, where they can get checked. If they've got any doubts just to go get checked, I'll post all that for people. And endometriosis Australia is quite good. Um, if you want to include that one, yeah. um, they put some really good information up, I think, because it's hard, you know, there's so much info out there. But, look, their page on Instagram is actually really good. Um, they put some good things up. Awesome. I'll, I'll share those in the notes and everything in between. There's one question I want to ask you before I let you go and then, and then we'll make it time to then go through the pregnancy. and. Yeah. Um, the anxiety and all of it. And we'll essentially, we'll essentially just be reading the book um, yeah. in, in our own way. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, is how much does your anxiety, your experience living anxiety, with anxiety and endometriosis, how much does it help you, do you think, in multiple facets of life? One, um, with the work you do, helping other people and having understanding that, things don't always happen smoothly like you want it to. And two, how is it, you know, how do you think it's changing you as a mother? By having my own anxiety issues? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just, you know, teaching teaching the girls, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just just having that understanding of, you know, someone else's needs, whether it's my girls or a client's or, you know, just listening to what what works for people um, and, and just knowing that, yeah, things aren't so straightforward in life and it's okay that you feel, that you feel anxious or you feel sad, all those things. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I hate to say it, it wasn't a nice experience, but I think, you know, the whole experience I've gone through has made me the mum I am today for the girls. Yeah. Um, you know, I've wanted to learn so much about mental health. I'm just so interested in mental, in mental health. And I think, I think because I've just gone through a lot of challenges myself, I want to help people um, just take, I just take away a little bit of that pain, you know, by offering ways of dealing with things, different ways to deal with things, whether it be through exercise or not. And that's something I learned through, you know, when, when, I mean, obviously, you know, being a personal trainer and a running coach, I am always going to say, or I'm a bit biased where I say, you know, mm -hmm. exercise really is the way. Um, but, you know, the fact that I, somehow turned to writing, not really being a writer um, during that time, it really made me learn that there was something else that I could do to help reduce my anxiety, which has then opened my mind to be able to help other people to go, well, you know what, you don't have to run, um, but you can walk or you might like to paint or there might be absolutely something else that's non-fitness related that can help reduce anxiety and help with depression. So writing the book has actually opened my mind in that way where, you know, in the past I was like, you know, train, 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 train. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah, it's sort of helped me realise that there are lots of other things as well. So It's amazing that that coincided with 
and when you're about to have kids because I think where a lot of parents do, and it's no fault of their own because it's the way they've lived life, but you, you go in with this mindset where my kids need to sort of like, that's going to help them, you know, they need to be active all the time and stuff. Whereas, yeah. And it may not have been the way you, you, you were a mum. Might, you might have opened up anyway, but I know for me, I was like, um, yeah, I went in with that kind of mindset as well. But then seeing when I spent time in the mental health clinic, I painted, I did puzzles, I was, yeah. you know, quiz games and all these things you do as a kid and it just made me feel alive again. And I was just yeah. like, running isn't everything and, and physical training isn't everything. You There's so much that we can encompass in what we do day to day where, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not to say running isn't someone's thing. If that's your thing, do it. But it just means that those couple of days where you might not be able to go for a run, yeah. you've got something else there. You don't that's need to right. sit in bed and yeah. sit in your own pity party. And that's, that's, that was probably the biggest thing. I And look, don't get me wrong. I still love to train for marathons and ultras and, you know, I, I just, I love it, but yeah, it has. It did make me realise that there are other there are other options. Look, don't get me wrong. I'd be gutted tomorrow if I couldn't run due to an injury or something else. Um, but at least I know through this experience there are other things. You know, I look at my girls paint and I think, oh, I wish I could paint. <laughs> like I'm not very artistic, but you know, there's something so therapeutic. Not that I can't. I can just grab their paintbrushes and just. <laughs> a bit of paint on paper but you know there is something so calming and relaxing about that that I really think something else aside for, and, and look I, I'm, I'm doing myself out of a job here because I'm basically saying oh you don't always need training <laughs> as your thing but I'm just saying you know there are other things and that's where that's opened my mind up especially for my girls where I'm not going to be like you've got to exercise you've got to train you've got to play sport you know as much as I love sport you know, being really mindful that their interests might not go that way. Um, it, it could be something else and it could be so beneficial for their mental health as well. So, yeah. So, thanks so much for the chat today. Um, I, feel, I feel like we're only getting started because, yeah. yeah I, I, I same. <laughs> the, you know, I know the next part is just, as you said, you, you, as you just mentioned, you love to run marathons and ultras and, and you did one this year in regards and raised money um, for the Mercy Perinatal Unit. Your book also, you donate back to the Mercy Perinatal as well. Um, so I look forward to chatting um, soon and the podcast will be released a week or two after this first one to the listeners so they can go out and read the book in between. Yeah, um, good. <laughs> And yeah, we'll, we'll touch on the pregnancy, we'll touch on the birth, and we'll touch on, you know, all a lot of what we covered today, but in a lot more detail. So yeah. thank, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Shane. That was great. Thanks for listening to Power, Strength, and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13-1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y-F-I-T-T dot com.au.